millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The Ad News Podcast. The podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Ad News Podcast. I'm Arvin Hickman, a journalist at Ad News, and today I'm joined by an industry legend, Bob Hoffman. I'm too young to be a legend, Armin. <laughs> now, Bob has joined us all the way from San Francisco. You might know him as the Ad Contrarian, and he's down under to do a special presentation at Rethink um, Rethink TV event in Sydney on Thursday. Bob, we only give us a quick rundown on exactly what you'll be discussing. Yes, uh, the the uh, topic of my talk is called "Marketers Are From Mars, Consumers Are From New Jersey," which is the title of a book I wrote a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and it's um, about what I call the three delusions that have. Um, infected the advertising and marketing industry over the past decade or so. They are the digital delusion, the brand delusion, and the age delusion. Okay. Now, Bob is also releasing a new book down under called Bad Men. Bob, do you want to give us a quick plug on your new book? Yes, I do. Uh, the book is, the full title is Bad Men, How Advertising Went from a Minor Annoyance to a Major Menace. And it's about online tracking, surveillance marketing and ad tech. I think these are very serious issues that the advertising and marketing industries need to take a very close look at because they are dangerous to us as individuals and they are dangerous to free societies. Incredible amounts of information are being collected about us. They are being sold to anyone who wants to buy them. We don't know who's buying them. We don't know who has files on us. And I think it's uh, something we need to consider very carefully, even if you don't buy my book. As a responsible citizen, you really need to do some study on this issue and learn how dangerous it is. Okay, that sounds fascinating. When is the book due to be released in Australia and how do we get hold of it? Well, that's up to... Amazon. Uh, they are supposed to be releasing it in Australia soon. Okay. I'm too lazy and uh, impatient to deal with publishers and distributors, so I just put my books through Amazon, and hopefully within a week or maybe a little more, uh, the book will be available here in Australia. Okay, fantastic. We look forward to that one. 
Now, as you may be aware, Bob is quite outspoken on a range of advertising issues. One of his bugbears, particularly in recent years, is what he describes as the bullshit around digital media and advertising. Now, recently, Bob has written a blog about Facebook's claim to reach, something that we broke at Ad News a couple of weeks ago. Bob, when you first heard about Facebook's claim to reach, what were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts were that I was surprised that anyone was surprised by this. Facebook has been releasing so much bullshit for so long that I don't know how anyone who's been paying attention can be surprised by more bullshit from them. And it's not just Facebook. We, we've been inundated with baloney from the online industry for 10 or 15 years. And uh, for some reason, it doesn't seem to bother anyone. Okay. Now, some of the claim to reach that Facebook has um, produced in its ad manager tool, um, we're talking about estimations that are 130 to 140% of the population. Um, that's people that actually exist. Why do you think it's taken the industry so long to challenge some of their claims? Well, that's a good question. I don't know why it's taken the industry so long. I think we've just gotten so used to bullshit that we, we really don't see it anymore. Um, I, I, I can't understand how we have allowed it to get to the point where companies like this can get away with this kind of stuff. Why aren't the media, why aren't the media agencies doing something about it? The thing that bothers me the most is that we, we've had so many scandals broken about lies and bullshit in the online advertising world, and none of them have come out of agencies. And agencies are the people closest to the speakers. How come they're not hearing the music? I don't understand this. Um, and I think what's going on is that the agencies are playing a double game. I think the agencies know what's going on, but they, they just aren't saying anything. That's the only, they, they can't be that, this stupid to, to, to be subjected to this for so many years and so many scandals and not know anything about it. It just doesn't pass the smell test. Do you think there's something untoward going on between the relationship of Facebook and media agencies that's almost covering this up? Yes. Not anything official, not anything, um, nobody's sitting down and, and doing a conspiracy. It's just we've gotten used to listening to their baloney and buying it. And it's, uh, it's not healthy. It's not good. Okay. Now, some of the um, fans of Facebook, um, namely some digital markers, will turn around and suggest that, well, actually, it's census data that is, is inaccurate or that may have some holes and, and all estimates need to be taken with a grain of salt. But what is your reaction to this type of defence? Absolutely 100% utter bullshit. How can you have a, a, an estimate of a 41 million uh, reach when there's only 31 million people in existence. There's no excuse for it. It's ap and anyone who apologizes for it, I just don't understand. Okay. Now, one of the other issues that's recently resurfaced in Australia over the past couple of days has been around brand safety. Now, this is in reference to a website in America called Breitbart. There's been some high-profile Australian brands that have been found advertising on Breitbart. What is your view in particular about brand safety and why it sort of keeps popping up as an issue every now and again? Brand safety is just another 
offshoot of the problem of ad tech. As long as we have ad tech, as long as the promise of online advertising is we will find you the highest quality eyeballs at the crappiest possible prices and locations, we will have this problem. Now, I have to say that I am highly skeptical about all the outrage around brand safety. Um, I think CMOs knew about this years ago. I know I wrote about it in my blog years ago and nobody cared. All of a sudden when it appeared on the front page of the Times in London, everyone was up in arms and they were demanding to see the manager. Oh my God, I can't believe this is going on. I think, I hate to use the word again, that was bullshit. I think they knew it was going on. They didn't care because they weren't held to account. Now that they have to answer to their CEOs, and they have to answer to the public, they're all shocked by this. Uh, to me, it's a, it's a lot, there's a lot of play acting going on here. So you basically are suggesting that it's only really become an issue because it's hit the headlines of major newspapers like The Times. That's exactly what I'm saying, yes. Does the greater accountability that's now held over the marketing functions, that also play a bit of a role in some of these issues surfacing and, and becoming big issues? I don't know what you mean by greater accountability. I think what, uh, what, what they're interested in is their KPIs and their CPMs, and as long as they're meeting those numbers, if that's what you mean by accountability, yes. I think as long as they're meeting those numbers and they can have deniability so that if if a spot runs in a if a uh, if an ad runs in a bad place and someone comes to them and says, "Oh, I saw your ad on this uh, Nazi website," they can say, "Well, uh, we have a 100% uh, non-Nazi uh, policy here. You need to talk to my agency about that. It's their problem." Then you go to the agency and they say, "Oh, we have a 100% non-Nazi policy here. You need to talk to the ad network about that. It's their fault." Now, so as long as they can maintain their deniability. They're not worried too much. Okay. Now, another major issue that, that has been discussed, maybe not as much as it probably should be, of course, is digital ad fraud. What are yeah. your thoughts about that? You've written extensively about it in the past. My thoughts on digital ad fraud is, is that it's way bigger than we think it is. Uh, the estimates on it, if you've seen the IAB for, for last year, they say it was $7.2 billion worldwide last year. I don't believe that. Um, uh, the WFA, the World Federation of Advertisers, says it could be as much as four times that. Um, I think we do not know how to measure ad fraud. I think the fraudsters are way ahead of us. The, the bad guys are way ahead of the good guys. And, you know, we can, you know, if we can catch 5% of the fish in our nets. That doesn't mean there aren't other fish going through the nets. I know of one fraud researcher who put 100% fraudulent stuff through a network and had a, a, a cybersecurity firm uh, give him a report on how much fraud there was and they came back with a report of 17% fraud when he knew what he put through it was 100% fraud. That's really interesting. So it sounds like detection isn't anywhere near the sophistication level as the people committing the crime. I don't think it is. I think they're way ahead of us now. Having said that, I have to do a caveat. I'm not a computer scientist. I am not anything near that. I'm just telling you what I have been told by people who I believe know what's really going on. Do you think there's a lack of will in terms of trying to detect fraud, or do you think yes. it's just a, there is a lack of will? And would you care to elaborate on that? Yes. Um, the problem is the 
it's a problem of offense and defense. Uh, I'm going to give you a baseball and hockey analogy, okay. if I may. A, a basketball, rather, and hockey analogy. In basketball, all the advantage is to the offense. If, you, if you're a defensive player and you breathe too hard on, a, on your opponent, you get called for a foul. And consequently, because offense has uh, a lot of the advantage, you have to score 100 points or more in a lot of games to win. Hockey, on the other hand, a lot of the advantages to the defense. You can kill or maim your opponent as long as you don't do it with a high stick. And 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 as a consequence, <laughs> literally, <laughs> and as a consequence, uh, you know, three points is often enough to win a game. In the fraud world, all the advantages to the offense. They make the money. The defensive players don't make any money by detecting ad fraud. As a matter of fact, agencies are making, they make just as much money by selling, uh, by uh, being involved in fraudulent uh, advertising as they are with real ad. They're not intentionally doing this. It's, it's indirectly but if you look at the World, the World Federation of Advertising report on this, the fraud enters after all the money has been taken by the legitimate marketing industry. So um, they've made their money before the fraud enters the system. And consequently, their uh, motivation to detect fraud is not nearly what it ought to be. If they were motivated to detect fraud, um, they would. there would be a lot more... They'd make a much greater effort at it, I believe. Now, I don't mean to impugn the advertising industry and say that they are responsible for fraud directly. They are not. Mm -hmm. But they are um, indirectly benefiting from it. Is part of the problem here, for example, if you go on the Google Display Network, you have a very vast amount of websites and inventory of perhaps a questionable questionable nature, and that is sort of trickling into the system, the broader pool, and, and perhaps lowering the overall quality. Is this race to the bottom on, on cost? Is that contributing to the fraud issue? Absolutely. If you look at any kind of legitimate study by any kind of impartial fraud investigator, they will tell you that in programmatic ad buys, fraud is much higher than in direct ad buys. So the programmatic advertising system, I think the WFA says that it's there's four times as much fraud in, in programmatic buying as there is in direct buying. But um, a guy named Dr. Augustin Fu, who's a brilliant guy, MIT, PhD, um, uh, teaches at NYU and Rutgers, has calculated that advertising bought um, either directly or in quality networks is somewhere between twenty between seven and twenty eight times more productive than advertising bought through um, un, uh, programmatically through uh, some kinds of ad networks. Okay, that's really interesting in terms of what is productive and what isn't productive. Why? is this race to lower costs at the expense of productivity because at the end it ends up costing the business more money. Yes, but you have to put yourself in the mind of a, a CMO. And what are they 
evaluate. You know, of, of their 10 top priorities, the first nine are keep my job, keep my job, keep my job, keep my job. And, um, and they're evaluated on CPMs and KPIs. And if they can show good CPMs, then they, you know, they can go into the boardroom and, and show how well they're doing and how brilliant they're. And, you know, a lot of them, I don't blame them. They have to do this to survive. Um, but it's, they, what they are buying is junk. Mm. And, you know, if you're getting very low, if you're getting very low CPMs, the reason you're probably getting them is you're buying bots. You're not buying human beings. So you're right. The race to the bottom is, uh, in fact, creating a system that is dangerous and is not healthy for brands. I guess it's the old adage, you, you get what you pay for, isn't it? It is. And now, I'm not saying that that brands should not be careful about about spending money they shouldn't just throw money at things uh you you need to you you know it's a very difficult world to live in now if you're a media buyer there's so much confusion there's so much there are so many ways to to get fooled that there are 50 ways to get screwed that you never even heard of in media buying these days and um, I, don't, I don't envy the media buyers, and I don't envy the CMOs. It's really tough. But you got to be careful about what you're buying because you can be fooled very easily. Do you think there's too much focus on efficiency rather than effectiveness? Absolutely. No question about that. I mean, uh, the, the, the effectiveness issue has been raised very strongly by Procter & Gamble recently. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Mm-hmm. And we all know about their 100 to $140 million online ad buy that they didn't buy that had absolutely no effect. In fact, their sales rose. And so the whole question of advertising effectiveness, uh, of online effectiveness, comes into question. And I don't know what the correct answer is, but um, there is certainly... It certainly ain't as easy as we were led to believe it was going to be. By now, you know, we were told that um, that advertising was going to be amazing, 
right? They was gonna, it, it, by now it was supposed to be amazing. Instead of looking at ads, consumers were going to be interacting with them. And consumers were going to go online and join the conversation about our brands and create conversations of their own and it would spread virally. And it's all been a fantasy. Mm. Instead, what we have, we have a disaster of an online ecosystem. We have fraud, we have corruption, we have non-transparency, we have viewability issues, we have uh, click rates for, for banner ads that are reported at about six in 10,000. It's hard to get closer to zero than that. <laughs> um, we have clients who are unhappy. They've launched investigations into agencies. We have a duopoly that make their own rules that won't abide by standard standards uh, of measurement and auditing. We have social media marketing was supposed to replace most of traditional advertising, and instead it has morphed into traditional advertising. Mm. You go to Facebook, what do you see? It's swimming in traditional paid ads. It's not conversations about brands. That was all baloney. And we have the scourge of ad tech, which I talked about earlier. That's following our every move without our permission collects and sells personal information about us to any irresponsible, incompetent company that will pay the price. It has secret files us on, about us that we know nothing about, and it's all kept in, in, in flimsy digital warehouses that are hacked by amateurs on a regular basis. We have fake news that's largely enabled by ad tech. We have brand safety crisis that you just mentioned. We have quality publishers struggling to exist because their audiences are being stolen by crappy publishers through the ad tech system of uh, programmatically finding the highest eyeballs at the cheapest places. And now we have foreign governments secretly manipulating online advertising to influence our national elections in the US. You're, you're of course alluding to um, some claims that Russian um, interests have been infiltrating Facebook. Well, it's not just claims, Facebook admits it now. Mm. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's a mess. Okay. I just want to touch on a couple of those points. Viewability. Yep. Um, the standard of viewability for online advertising is 50% um, or 50% of the pixels for, I, I think it's a second or two seconds for display and, and a second or two for video. But what is your view about that? It seems a little bit odd that you would have a standard that recommends that it's okay to cut off half an ad. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I don't buy it at all. That, I don't know what that's supposed to be a standard of, but it's certainly not a standard of effectiveness. As you said, if we're measuring, uh, if we're supposed to be measuring effectiveness, I don't see how 50% of the pixels for one second is going to be affected at, uh, effective at anything. Should there be a baseline of 100% of pixels for a period of time? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not... Uh, I'm a copywriter. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a technical guy. I'm not a researcher. But I think that we need some research standards to tell us what is an effective level of pixels for an effective level of time. And I think that should not be very difficult to do. And I suspect that we will get that fairly soon. Okay. Now, Pritchard speaks about the murky world of digital um, media and, and the ecosystem yeah. that supplies inventory. What are your views about that? And, and what sort of contributed to this really murky world where people are taking um, clips of the ticket along, along the supply chain and 
how we've got into this situation and how we can get out of it. How we got into this the situation is that the advertising business, which used to be one of the most skeptical businesses in the world, it was like, prove it to me, has become um, like schoolgirls who, ha who have lost their, uh, you know, the, the handsome... A uh, cowboy came riding into town, and we got enamored with them, and we believed a whole lot of pseudo-technical baloney, and um, we became uh, enamored of it, and we, we lost our skepticism about this stuff. I mean, I've been writing uh, the stuff that Pritchard started talking about last year. I was writing about it. Nobody cared. Mm. Nobody cared. I was an idiot. I was uh, I was an imbecile. I didn't get it. I was an old Luddite dinosaur who didn't get it. Um, but, you know, nobody's smarter than the facts, and we know what the facts are now. And we need to, I, what, what do we do about it? We go back to being skeptical. We question everything. We don't accept it because some handsome guy came riding into town with some new techno-scientific quasi-bullshit. Okay. Now, your presentation on Thursday um, is titled Marketers are from Mars and Consumers are from New Jersey. I have a couple of questions about that. Firstly, how on earth did marketers get to Mars and how do we bring them back to New Jersey? I think, I hope, as and I'm going to say in my talk on Thursday that I hope they're starting to get back to New Jersey. You know, I'm seeing in what Pritchard is doing, I think Keith Weed at Unilever is, um, did I say that right? Yes, uh, is, is starting to do that. I think we are starting to get a little bit more reality into the system. I think people who are accepting everything they were told for too long are starting to say, hey, wait a minute, let's look at this. Um, you know, all, all the problems of fraud and all the problems of uh, the, the um, non-transparency and the problems of investigations of agencies, I think it's starting to seep into the minds of marketers that they have to be a little more sensible of what, about what they're believing. If marketers don't make this journey from the far reaches of the solstice back to, to where they, they actually live and, and belong, is there a legitimate risk that the function um, may become irrelevant? No. Uh, we will always need marketing. We will always need advertising. The question is, will it? how effective will it be and um, how valuable will it be? Um, Marketing is not going away. Advertising is not going away. We just need to be more sensible about what we're doing and how we're doing it. Advertising agencies may go away if they don't wake up and start protecting their clients. Um, but marketing and advertising won't. That was going to be my next question, just touching on advertising agencies and media agencies and they, the direction they've been taking in recent years um, under the guidance of their um, global holding groups. What, what are your views on this direction um, that they're sort of charting along? A lot of it is, is converting to digital. And, and where do you think they need to, to come back to, if, if at all? One of the problems is the structure of the advertising industry now. Um, as an old uh, Luddite dinosaur, um, when I started in the agency business, we had 
hundreds and hundreds of good quality independent agencies in the in the states. Um, the largest agency in the U.S. was YNR that had a one and a half share of the market. We now have four globalized holding companies that have 70% or more of the advertising market in the U.S. I don't think this is healthy for the advertising industry. The advertising industry was built by entrepreneurs. They worked at an agency. Maybe they were account people, researchers, copywriters, media people, art directors. They worked there. They said, you know what? I can do this better than these bozos. I'm going to start my own. Mm. And they would start their own, and they'd grow theirs. And then a few people from that agency would start their own and grow theirs. And that's the way it grew. So it was effectively a, a business of craftspeople, people who actually worked in advertising, worked on accounts, made ads, or bought media. Now we have the leaders of the industry who've never done that. They're financial people. They're lawyers. They're... Um, they're bookkeepers. Uh, and as a result, we have people running the agency business who aren't really advertising people. And the result of that is we're getting crappy advertising. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I, I travel a lot and I speak a lot. And one of the, the two of the things I always hear is one, advertising is, is not as effective as it used to be. And two, advertising is not as creative as it used to be. I cannot believe that those two things are not related somehow. So in a way, the consolidation of the market in, into these major holding groups is stifling innovation and creativity. I believe it is. I think if we got inside the books of these holding companies and we could see what they're investing in, I bet you they're investing way more in data, way more in, in uh, metrics, way more in um, an analysis uh, and and much more than they're doing in creativity. I'll bet you that their creative budgets as a percent of their total budgets have gone down in the in the past decade. Okay. Now, now you obviously um, travel extensively across the world, and, and I imagine you must see advertising in a lot of different markets. Are there any markets at the moment that are, that are doing it better than others? You know, I don't really see that much advertising when I travel. No, you're missing I, out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't really comment on that because, I, first of all, most of the languages I don't speak where I'm traveling to. And uh, secondly, I, I don't turn on the radio. I don't, let, I don't watch television. I don't, you know, I, the, the uh, online um, places I visit are in the U.S. The, the sites are in the U.S. So I'm not, I, I really can't uh, comment on that in a uh, sensible way. Okay. Well, what about the, I mean, the other piece of the puzzle, of course, are media owners. Um, yeah. There's been some research that's come out recently that suggests that television, actually, if you look at the returns on investment, um, it, it delivers far greater returns in the FMCG sector, in the automotive sector, in finance, compared to some of the other channels. But yet you still hear about the death of television and how it's doomed and it's all doom and gloom and everything's going online, everything's digital these days. What, what are your views about this whole concept that the traditional media channels are dying and being replaced by digital? I have a very simple test for that. I walk through the supermarket and I look at all the brands I see. I see brands of toothpaste, I see brands of paper towels, I see brands of soda and beer, I see brands of everything, and I don't, I can't find one brand of anything 
that was built by online advertising. I can't find a brand of cars, fast food, tires. Um, I can't find any of that. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong places. Now, I grant you there, ha there are some web endemic brands that have been built by online advertising. But web endemic brands, brands that live on the web, are a tiny proportion of the economy. Mm. And um, where are all the brands of soft drinks and, and, and fast food and beer and soda and cars and tires? and Where are they that have been built by online advertising? That's my answer to that. They've all been built by traditional advertising. Let's talk about Apple for a second. Apple is the most successful technology company in the history of the world. They have great online stuff that they do for the, what we call their below-the-line stuff, their document, all that stuff. All their, virtually all their advertising is traditional. It's television, it's outdoor, and it's print. They're a technology company, and virtually all their advertising is in the traditional media. Why is that? Because they're smart, mm. and it works. And what we have been doing is trading what was working for what sounded good. Mm -hmm. Online advertising sounded so good. It sounded so amazing. And yet, we have not learned how to use it right yet. It's not building brands that I can see. What about the argument that some people in, in the media space will say, well, it's where the eyeballs are going. The eyeballs are leaving television, they're leaving print, and they're going online. What, what's your response to that? My response to that is that that's for people who don't understand how advertising works. It's not about how much time you spend with a medium that makes advertising effective. It's how impactful a message delivered on that medium is. That's what makes advertising effective. I spend 16 hours a day in my socks. That doesn't make them a good advertising medium. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. Thank you for bringing your socks into this. <laughs> it's, not, it's a phony proxy. How much time spent with a medium equals how effective that medium is at advertising. Mm. It's a phony proxy. I don't buy it. Okay. We're running um, close to time, but yeah. I just want to ask you one final question, Bob, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot here, yeah. but what is your favorite ad of all time? My favorite ad of all time was an ad that was done for Master Locks. In you, we explain what master locks. Master are. locks are it's a lock that you put on a locker. Okay. Okay. And it was the simplest ad you ever saw. I, I don't even think there was any copy. You saw a guy put a lock on a locker, and all of a sudden you heard a gunshot and a rifle shot, and the and the and the bullet went right through the lock, and the lock still held. Wow. And this this ad was just amazing. It, it's what advertising is supposed to be. It demonstrates the effectiveness of the product. And if we could just get advertising back to doing that in a dramatic, simple, creative way, we'd be so much better off. And on that note, I'm going to use that um, wonderful metaphor to close this discussion. I'd like to thank Bob Hoffman, the ad contrarian, for joining us on Ad News in this special podcast. Thank you so much, um, Bob, and enjoy the rest of your time in Australia. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. I'm Arvin Hickman, and this has been a special production of the Ad News podcast. Hello, listener. 
Is it me you're looking for? As brands, we're always wanting to make a connection, to find the person you can rely on, the one that's there every week, month, or year, and always has your back when you need them the most. It's a little like matchmaking, don't you think? With ACAST podcast ads, you can filter for your exact dream audience so you can find the ideal customer for your business. The Romeo to your Juliet, the Rachel to your Ross, the Bert to your Ernie, and avoid those red flags and time wasters. Your ads can communicate with them in the most intimate way possible. A one-on-one conversation, a chance meeting in the gym, or a coffee shop. So go on, give it a try. With over hundreds of thousands of listens a month, your person is probably here. Get closer to your audience. Make podcast ads with ACAST. Head to go.acast.com to get started.